Forgot to Do With It podcast, where we hope to provide a space for honest conversation and information that encourages a listener to take the next steps in their career journey. Wherever you're at in this process, we hope that this episode will meet you with affirmation, guidance, and maybe some laughs along the way. On today's episode, we are joined by special guests, Jules Odendahl, James, Director of Academic Engagement for Arts and Humanities, as we discuss and answer, or many, to the question, what even is career success? So, hey, we're going to start off with that one. You know, what even is career success? And I'm going to turn right to our guest. Oh, my. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, career success. I think the nice part about it is it can be self-defined. You have to find out what you're happy with and think about that. But most people are going to look to external forces. What? How do I know I'm moving up in my job? How do I know that I have skills to change when I'm asked to change at my job? How do I ask for help and feel not feel like I that immediately puts me under a microscope that I'm not doing my job? Um, and then the notion of really thinking about the parameters of jobs. Because I think post-pandemic, we're all thinking about where do we take our enjoyment? Where do we take our satisfaction? What do we want to mm, like figure out for ourselves as our for future plan? And that doesn't always have to include working all the time. It can include stepping back, figuring out what you enjoy, being with people, and then coming back to a career space and bringing that new rejuvenation to that space, which is great. Absolutely. Everyone else? What do we got? I think that's the end of the episode. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done. Cut. All right. Um, I would say career success is just that fulfillment. And is it, are you at that point where you're aligned with your values and your passion and that purpose, um, which we know we've talked about previously, purpose can change. Um, but in that space, like, are the stars aligned for this moment with those things? I think when I hear career success, I don't know why I'm losing my voice on a Thursday. Um, <clears throat> I, I think I, I took it more so internally with self. Like, am I fulfilled right now? Am I making a difference or feel like I'm making a difference somehow? Am I um, being true to being the servant leader that I say that I am? Um, and within this career is all of this allowing me to do that. Um, so I think that's where my brain power went when I thought about career success. Kay's just looking at me right now with the first glimpse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, yeah, everything has been said. We don't want to uh, overdo it. And, and I think there's a special part of thinking about, like, there is tangible results that we can, like, look to or point to and say, yes, I did this. But there also there's this this inner search within ourselves of, like, have I been successful? Like, what am I doing? Is this right? And I think there's that moment where we feel like we finally step into that. Um I want to talk about the tension, though, that exists between the two of those. I think there, there is a great deal of tension that exists from, like, the outer tangible results to what we find in our, our inner selves. And so what is that for you? What have you found in your journey that you're like, all right, I see this is successful, but something else is telling me this might not be successful? When you said that, the first thing I thought about was um, often people put a timeline to success and how fast it should happen. So especially for, again, our audience, thinking of going into 
um, graduating from Duke, most students think, okay, I need to get some sort of like project lead role immediately as an undergrad, whereas the real structure of it is you want to start have a have a solid starting point where you give yourself time to grow and gain that skill set to grow into um, those opportunities where, that give you the sort of success you see your um, the, the the folks you aspire to be like you know having and experiencing maybe they're like ten years into the industry it's kind of you got to weigh the weigh that against what you expect or how fast you think it should happen for yourself too and it's hard because you're coming from usually your senior year when right. you have already achieved that leadership, right? Or you're mm-hmm. starting in those spaces, you finish a thesis or you have something that's a, a tangible product and you're like, well, I should, that's where I should go. Right. I'm ready to right. do that. Um, but also then the difference between putting that in a, a career path, which is often going to be entry level, which is going to demand a lot of your time. How do you separate out other spaces where you could be the lead or the head of something mm-hmm. or do it on your own terms while you're also learning how to navigate something on someone else's timeline right. and then learn how to sit and evaluate those two spaces and what, how are you feeling in each one of them mm-hmm. um, and how that tension sort of works or can manifest itself to go, well, if I'm doing this here, maybe I'm more satisfied to be in the secondary role in this space. And then when is it a time that you go, no, no, I'm ready to move up over here mm-hmm. and I'm just not letting myself get sati- um, satisfied with this outside thing. I actually need to go back to my career and say, push myself or push who is supervising me and sort of demonstrate, hey, I could do more or let's talk about how I could do more because I feel like I'm ready to do that. Right. Um, so, Kate, as you were speaking, I know there's always a lyric in my head. And as you were speaking and you were talking about just understanding that space, like you were saying, Jules, just leave me undergrad. Like Kendrick Lamar popped into my head, be humble. Sit down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think sometimes even when that tension, that space is there, you just got to kind of take a step back and sit down and be humble. But also to respect what you were saying, Jules, is like create that space, create that lane. Um, that's where you find the space to think outside of the box and try to pull that leadership t- forward. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Kendrick's in my head today. That's probably going to be playing for the rest of the day. <laughs> I almost think this is too where you take a, a moment to evaluate the people that you've chosen to guide you as well. Um, and be those mentors um, and and be the people that you go to to ask um, that information or, or get that guidance, you would hope that somebody would take that moment to say, have you stopped? Have you slowed down? Right? Um, so if you don't have people in your circle that you trust to be able to do that, I do highly encourage you to, um, you know, I don't want to say reevaluate your circle because they're probably all not trash. Um, but, but, you know, definitely take a moment, um, to make sure that, that your, your circle is, is pretty well-rounded, you know? Yeah. And I even think too, how are we even acknowledging what success is in our lives? So like we, we've kind of touched on this in, in various ways of like people coming in to tell us or us celebrating the small milestones. And I think there even is a component that some success will not be realized until we have reached the very end of our journey of looking back and saying, oh, that was actually a good thing that I did. I actually needed that. Because in the moment, it may have seemed bad or it may have not seemed like the right step. But success could be leaving a job. Success could be uh, failing at something. Success could be something that just does not piece together uh, all the way. And that's okay. And I think that's one of the hardest parts about career, about thinking about next steps and journeys, is trying to get to that point to say, 
this may be considered a success later, but right now it is terrible. Could I make a plug in here for experiencing some kind of research, whatever disciplinary, and I'll plug the humanities, partly because a lot of research that we do is never going to hit an end. We're not going to sort of pop out and go, there's the answer. Um, it's just not necessarily the the approach to examining the world, but that kind of deep process that you have to kind of get comfortable with and still propel yourself uh, forward in a project, but not necessarily end at a very definitive state, those things can be really, there's, there's sort of space in the classroom where you have a lot of safety nets around that. But if you can hold on to what that process felt like or how you managed it, It'll be very transferable into a career space where sometimes you are working and no one is telling you or they're telling you and you're hearing them. But what it feels like is different. And how do you judge um, what your metric is to sort of evaluate your own performance and then listen to that? And then you sort of said like, OK, success is doing this. And I didn't know it because I had a huge definitive moment. I knew it because I had lots of little moments I knew how to pay attention to. Yeah, I was just kind of thinking about both both of those things. And, you know, I know we've all worked with a lot of students over the years, and you're trying to figure out, did they get it? Did I do my job? Did it make sense? Um, and then, you know, I get a message like a couple weeks ago. It's just like, thank you so much. You just don't understand. I'm like, oh, you got it. Okay, so just to speak to that, yeah, that success just comes later, and you, you think you, that you're drowning and you're struggling, but you're really where you're supposed to be and doing what you're supposed to do at that time. Yeah, I love a good serendipitous surprise. Because <laughs> <laughs> we face so much, I think, yeah, anybody who's in the workforce of, like, just going out and trying and then the unknown and lack of feedback sometimes you receive. And I think I definitely want to speak to that because I, that is out there in the world in career is sometimes you're going to do some things and there's going to be zero feedback and you're going to have to live with that. And nobody's going to tell you, hey, good job or wonderful, wonderful work here on this project. Thank you for doing this because things are going to go unnoticed, mm -hmm. but they could still be making a difference. <laughs> I always think that there's like two spaces. One to if you leave yourself space for introspection or wherever you can. We fill our lives with lots of things because that introspection is really hard. And sometimes it's also that you have to create it inside yourself. So if you can also think about your mentors or who in your loop gives you good advice, then how do you give that to yourself sometimes when that person isn't there? Um, but making space, I, I would said like if you're signing up for classes, think of yourself as a class. Um, if you can, right? I think sometimes that's hard and feels very alone. And that's where, you know, I think the advising structure at Duke, at least sort of, I've often said to students, if you just need me to sit there in front of you while you talk through some stuff, happy to do that. Because sometimes you need an external process. It's really hard. Or if you like to journal, like what are the things where you can start to keep a task list, not to sort of um, be very product oriented, but just sort of like, I need to touch in with myself. I need to make this a regular practice so that when I'm getting ready to write that cover letter or work on this big proposal or even just make a decision, I'm not having to confront everything all at once in that particular moment. I've got a practice that I can go back to and that will make decisions are hard. I don't like making them now and I'm old enough to know better. Um, 
So how do you give yourself uh, enough material to work with to make that decision so it doesn't feel alone, even if it has to happen alone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to I want to lean into that though. I want to lean into how we begin to make those decisions to transfer over. All right, this stuff that I've learned is going to be successful, um, and I want to point directly here at Jules and say, <laughs> all right, you work with a lot of humanities students. Right. And we, we exist at a college, and I think oftentimes we, we leave college, a lot of people who have gone to a liberal arts college particularly, and like, all right, I have this degree, it's in history, or it's in some obscure title that we have a program too, who we create our own degree programs. And so how can they take that information they learn from English 101 or some of these, these standard courses and take it and say, oh, this benefited me, and this is how I'm going to use it to be successful? I have – I often tell students don't talk about your major. And that's not to obscure or to say I'm ashamed of it, but because once you say a major, immediately who you're speaking to starts to go, oh, that is this kind of person or that's my perception of what you now do. How can you move from what you major in to what is your work? And in that is not to also say a lot of product oriented, but sort of like what I don't like to use the word passion because I think sometimes it sweeps up as if it's some external fate force that drives mm-hmm. and is going to happen and, oh, it'll all be wonderful. No, there's work involved in that. Passion is one element of that. So to use that term work is about what gets you up in the morning? What are the things that you go back to that you're the most proud of? If they're projects and you're also on a topic that might feel obscure, what did you do? What did you engage? Who who sort of called upon you to be an expert? Or when did you learn that I don't have enough expertise to make this decision and made another choice or, or was able to evaluate that in a particular way? There's the idea of humanities get a sort of notion of soft skills, which feels also like a, a getting thrown a bone uh, for like, yeah, we know no one can really define that. But you can define what you do. And the more you can get specific with that, which also means you've got to have that self-reflection mm-hmm. to figure out what it is. That then immediately, once you start talking to the person, it could be on an obscure topic or it could be on a thing that you did. You're immediately driving the conversation as opposed to if I say, well, I majored in English, then that person's already three miles down the road in what they perceive about it. And you have to run and play catch up as opposed to driving the conversation. And that takes practice. And again, that's sort of what directors of academic engagement can be there to practice that. I think you all encounter that too in career centers, sort of like, what's your pitch or what's the two sentences that you want to work on and what does that stand on, right? What can do you feel really solid about? It could be a series of classes, could be a series of mentored projects, could be just uh, the way that you balanced work and other life at college. That all becomes kind of in your skill set that is so much more than a major, but also a major can lead you to that because you're going to tend to tend to be involved in things intellectually that feed you in some way. Mm-hmm. So how can you continue to eat from that buffet in the w- ways that are going to be different, which is not just I know how to do X skill or I am this I have this expertise or this bu- bucket of content knowledge. I'm also a person and I have dimensions and those kinds of things are the way I can they're the opening to the conversation and they're the opening to kind of feel that conversation's happening about yourself on your own terms as opposed to my major is X 
And that's a hard shift because a lot of people sort of go, oh, the major. That's why it's so hard around major declaration is everybody's like, I'm like, it's a major, not a marriage. Mm -hmm. You're fine. (laughs) And you can change. (laughs) And in fact, good for you if you change. Mm -hmm. But it feels there's so much external pressure, internal pressure. And you also want to you want it to be fulfilling. You want to make that commitment to something that feels tangible, but it doesn't have to feel like an albatross around your neck. And how do you balance uh, getting solid in a place and then also having the fluidity to move from that solid place or that place where that you really are inspired out to all the different things that you might do, connected or not connected to that thing that is sort of at the center of your experience? In the episode, my guy. <laughs> I mean, we could. <laughs> but now I want to turn to my peers and say, all right, so what has been that thing in your journey? The the thing that has been seemingly unconnected that you've been able to take. Maybe it was part of your journey in uh, your undergraduate careers or in your first position or something along the way that helped to point you in a direction um, of success. Um, and at the time, it didn't seem like it. <laughs> I avoided, now this is when I first started out and I was working in athletics, I was doing game day operations and marketing. Went to a small HBCU, limited resource institution, so I wore 27 hats. And one of the hats they wanted me to wear was to um, be the advisor for the Student Athlete Advisory Council. And I was so against it because, surprisingly, even when I was a little bit younger, I knew myself and I know that I develop relationships and I, I get very invested and I will run myself ragged to, to you know, if you're having a bad day, to, to turn your day around. So... I was like, no, I can't do this. This space is not going to be for me. You all are going to wind up firing me because I'm going to go to bat for every single person. Um, And little did I know, 19 years later, that I would continue to be working in student-facing roles and helping students with their dreams and aspirations, their struggles. Um, I had to learn how to leave it at work rather than take it home. Um, But if you would have told me, um, you know, 19 years ago, when I got a undergraduate degree in criminal justice that I was going to be working in student affairs with students all day, every day, when I planned on doing entertainment law and doing contracts, um, I would have said, okay, <laughs> maybe. Um, but that was that was definitely something I had to experience. And at that time, I was just like, no, 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 no. And, and here I am now, and it's something that I'm passionate about and love. Okay, picture it. <laughs> um, you know, Sicily, no, okay. So I, and I am about to do something that is quite all right, students, when you're in an interview. Rudy, could you restate the questions just to make sure I'm going to answer everything that you need? What has been that thing for you that has been seemingly unconnected to your future but help you to make decisions around the way. And now everybody's going to rewind this to see if that was actually the same question. <laughs> right? Okay, I think I'm going to answer your question. I'm going to try to go for this. Uh, but again, picture it. Um, I had people tell me that I needed to be a teacher. And I said, absolutely not. Um, I 
and I just went forth with sports medicine, athletic training, and that's what I did. But what I look through all of the spaces, again, like Nicole, I never expected to be in this spot. But when I look at everything, it's the student development piece for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I go back, even to the point of when I was in a kindergarten classroom for four years, um, it's the development on both sides. I had a great... um, classroom teacher I worked with both of us were sitting in there with master degrees that was my first job after grad school and the development for me she pushed me to do a little more but I still knew it four years when they were still trying to get me to take the practice I said no um so it took me forward to college so what I found was everything that tied together was the student development um and engaging with students so everything that I've done from teaching kindergarten to then um, working in athletics to teaching athletic training classes to then facilitating first year experience classes to reimagining curriculum so that I can give you the real deal and not what's on this piece of paper Um, to advising academically to this point. I look back at it all and it's all a student development thing drive in me that I just want to make it better for you if you just listen to me. I don't know everything, but geez, just just listen to me. I got about 18 years on you, so <laughs> let's talk about it. Did that answer your question, Rudy? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I'm honestly still sitting over here cooking on what you just dropped on that. Like, honestly. <laughs> I really am, because I was that student who... My major was going, no matter what any advisor told me, my major was going to determine what job I was going to get. And the job was going to match the major name. If I was going to spend four years somewhere, I was going to make it match. And so I went through that whole process of, you know, choose between grad school and going into industry. Industry ended up working out first before grad school and everything needed to match for me. That's just how I am in life in general. Like if I get a combo, the side and the thing has to go together, great. So with, with education, it's the same thing. If I get this major, I have to have the job or the graduate degree that matches with it well. So I ended up going into industry, really didn't like it. The people, it wasn't them, but it just didn't match with the, the experience I had working in higher education as an undergrad student. And that work that I did there, I just couldn't find anything that matched it. So in my mind, I was like, okay, I'll go back to higher education, do a little sabbatical thing, recharge, and then jump back into finding the thing that matched exactly with my major. And I found out that I found more peace, enjoyment, a great day-to-day life that I really enjoyed and liked having working in, in, in a different industry. And I came to realize that that's okay, period. I think I answered this in a like a career center is like what were the things that you would tell students or the top sort of thing and I was like trying to evaluate every experience that you have on three vectors. One is what did you learn? Like what's the content knowledge mm-hmm. and how does that relate to and am I drawn to that? Do I want to know? Because it also can then lead to the next choice. Uh, what did I do? Like, what's the day-to-day? What is the work practice? Do I like that? Because you might love the content and hate the way you get there. Those are two very different things. And then the third is who? Who am I working with? How? Who are they? They're people, they're colleagues that I would just sit in their classes to hear them talk Mm -hmm. because they weave such an incredible thing. Is that enough? Is that the thing that keeps you in there? Are they then also good to work with or collaborate? Or you can just sort of go, I'll listen to their podcast and that'll be fine (laughs) and that'll be satisfying. I don't necessarily have to model myself on that. And if you can break those down, because I think we often ask like student satisfaction or course evaluations – 
are asking both what's what's your feeling about it, but also their chance to look inside and go, what is my feeling about that? Like, just when you were describing that about the how do I know that these things fit together, but they all feel very disparate is by being able to look back at them and have some kind of evaluation. It's very hard to do in the moment. That's why mm -hmm. semester breaks are really important. That meeting with a college advisor that you can just make a lot of plug and play choices, but you could also have that and go, you know, I liked this part of that class, but not this part of that class. What does that tell me about the next thing that I want to do so I can mix and match mm -hmm. as opposed to feel very matchy? That then gets in my way right. of noticing what I might, how I can now make that into knowledge <laughs> about myself that then, again, choices are really, really hard and I want to recognize that. I know it's really, people have literally sometimes very, feels life and death decisions mm -hmm. and sometimes they put the pressure on that, that something that could be mildly easy <laughs> is is heightened and try and draw that stress level down a little bit so that you can know what you're doing. It's uncertain, but it doesn't mean it's completely unmoored from knowledge, like what you can know about yourself. Yes. Yes. So let's go on a journey. I've got a story. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. I mean, I think everything culminates in this of like it, we have these pivotal moments that I think we definitely can point to in our life. I think for me, I always point back to like my experience through my divinity program that I did. And I'm like, this shaped the way that I view a lot of different things. And it, there's not necessarily even one course within that program that helped to shape it. But when I really, really think about it, it wasn't even in that. There was this freshman year course that I took after I had transferred into my university and my previous university was like my freshman comp course like we went in we read something there was no like challenge to like discernment of like the article that we read and we wrote a paper and good job um, but then I got into this program and I had to write a paper and I pulled up the poem because I had to see what the poem was again I had forgotten all about it but it's called My Papa's Waltz by Theodore Rothke and this is actually quite the controversial poem, depending on how you read it. And I remember my professor had one experience of it, and then I had a different experience of it. And I communicated that in a paper reflecting on it. And when I finished, I turned it in, and I remember the prof professor saying, don't have a different take on it because I'm going to disagree. Well, I had a different take. <laughs> yeah. And I got challenge accepted. Yeah. I, I got a D on the paper. Uh, so I took that and I brought it back. And one of my classmates and I sat down and looked at every single correction because there was a lot of red on that paper. There was a ton of markups on it. And it was all feedback of like, how could you conclude this? Or where did you get this from? What about this? And we answered every single question on there. Do I recommend doing that and then bringing it to the professor? No. But in this instance, it worked. So I took that paper. I went through every single uh, bit of feedback that I received, and we had a conversation. We talked about it. And I didn't leave that room immediately with an answer. But after the weekend, the professor returned and said, actually, you did everything properly. This is A and A work. So I've taken that model and I've looked at how I can explore something, challenge something, fail at something, go back and push through it and see it as something that can be successful. And I encourage you all to do the same. And so before we close out, I would like to go around the room. What is your advice to students as they seek to even answer the question, what even is success? 
if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. <laughs> um, and and in, enjoy the experience. Tighten up your circle. Welcome a difference of opinion. You do not have to go home with it. It doesn't have to be your opinion, but it's great to have well-rounded um, opinions all the way. Um, and it's okay. It's it's all a journey. You will get there. And when you get there, it's magical. You know, Rudy, as you were speaking, the only thing I could think in my head was just, man, enjoy the ride. So that's what I'm going to tell you, um, just to enjoy the ride and, you know, think outside the box. And, yeah, sometimes you might have to explain some things to some folks, i.e. maybe your parents, because they want you to go a different way. Um, so have some type of plan. It might not be a complete plan, but have some thought process together just to kind of give you a loose guiding way. But enjoy the ride. It's going to be fine. This is the space for you to explore versus you being 50, which is not nothing wrong with that. But enjoy the ride. That's all I got to say. Okay. <laughs> Look, if you haven't watched the video with Shirley Ralph inspiring you to do whatever oh, yes. you want to do at whatever age and stage. Go watch that video. Um, but I'll, I'll just ditto everything that um, folks have shared throughout this whole episode. If anything, the I feel like the conversation we have is like raised the bar a lot. So if anything, remember that you've got the the career center to to support you in in that journey of defining what success is. You've got amazing folks like Dr. OJ over in the um, academic advising center to help you talk through that conversation, really think about and build the picture of what success is. Um, and then when it comes to job stuff, because this is a career podcast, remember that there are elements you can't control and being okay with that, coming to terms with that is okay. And then allowing yourself to be um, aware that things aren't always gonna work out as planned. That's also part of the process and it's mm -hmm. not a bad thing. Uh, know thyself and and make space for knowing yourself put yourself on your own schedule um, it to both take step away from things but also to go into whatever kind of deep dive you need to or what feels comfortable but go deeper as you go so that you can make the next decision not feeling like it has to be the only decision, but feel secure enough to where you can kind of step out and, and feel confident because you are going to be your only, you are the one who is walking through this life. So you've got to be kind of your own best friend in, in thinking about that and defining success and also pursuing it. Yeah. Examine your health, I think. Yeah, it goes along with know thyself, but examine your health. And sometimes we need to put the things down and revisit later to see how they have greatly impacted our lives. So with that, thank you for joining us today on the What's Career Got to Do With It podcast. We hope you have found something within this day. And if you don't, come visit us. Maybe we'll talk a little bit more. <laughs> but enjoy your day, and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.